0: SECTION 34 OF THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE GREAT EVENTS BY FAMOUS HISTORIANS, VOLUME 7. BY CHARLES F. HORN, ROSETO JOHNSON, AND JOHN RUDD. THE HOUSE OF Hohenzollern, ESTABLISHED IN BRANDENBURG, A.D. 1415. By thomas carlyle the german princely family of hohenzollern which ruled over brandenburg from fourteen fifteen has furnished the kings of prussia since seventeen o one and since eighteen seventy one those kings have also been german emperors the hohenzollerns were originally owners of a castle on the upper danube at no great distance from the ancestral seat of the Habsburg family they acquired influence at the court of swabia and in 1192 had established themselves in nuremberg where in that year frederick i became burgraf when Rudolf i founder of the house of hapsburg finally defeated his rival ottokar of bohemia in 1278 his cause was saved by the assistance of a hohenzollern frederick of nuremberg the hohenzollerns made fortunate marriages and shrewd purchases and the descendants of Frederick i succeeding to his burgravate in the course of time acquired great estates in franconia moravia and burgundy through their increasing wealth whereby in the fifteenth century they had gained a position similar to that of the present rothschilds and by use of their political abilities they attained commanding influence in the councils of the german princes such was the eminence of this powerful family at the time when they acquired the electorate of brandenburg the nucleus of the present kingdom of prussia brandenburg was a district formerly inhabited by the Wends, the slavic people from whom it was taken in nine twenty six by henry the fowler king of germany of which kingdom it afterward became a margravate. its first margrave was albert the bear under whom about eleven fifty it was made an electorate from albert's line it passed to the louis the bavarian in thirteen nineteen and in thirteen seventy one it was transferred to charles carl the fourth on the death of charles his son and successor Wenzel, Wenzlaus, relinquished brandenburg to his brothers as told by Carlyle, who in his own pictorial manner describes the subsequent complications which finally resulted in giving them possession to the ancestors who in his own pictorial manner describes the subsequent complications which finally resulted in giving that possession to the ancestors of the present ruling house of germany karl left three young sons wenzel sigismund johann and also a certain nephew much older all of whom now more or less concern us in this unfortunate history wenzel the oldest son heritable kerferst of brandenburg as well as king of bohemia was as yet only seventeen, who nevertheless got to be Kaiser, and went wildly astray. Poor soul. The nephew was no other than Margrave Jobst of Moravia, now in the vigor of his years and a stirring man. To him, for a time, the chief management in Brandenburg fell in these circumstances. Wenzel, still a minor, and already Kaiser and King of Bohemia, gave up Brandenburg to his two younger brothers, most of it to Sigismund, with a cutting for Johann, to help their appanages, and applied his own powers to govern the Holy Roman Empire at that early stage of life. To govern the Holy Roman Empire, poor soul, or rather, to drink beer and dance with the girls, in which, if defective in other things, Wenzel had an eminent talent. He was one of the worst kaisers and the least victorious on record. He would attend to nothing in the Reich the Prague white beer and girls of various complexion being much preferable, as he was heard to say. He had to fling his poor queen's confessor into the river Moldau, Johann of nipomuk saint so-called, if he is not a fable altogether, whose statue stands on bridges ever since in those parts. Wenzel's bohemians revolted against him, put him in jail, and he broke prison, a boatsman's daughter helping him out with adventures his germans were disgusted with him deposed him from the kaisership and chose Rupert of falls and then after rupert's death chose wenzel's own brother sigismund in his stead left wenzel to jumble about in his native bohemian element as king there for nineteen years longer still breaking pots to a ruinous extent he ended by apoplexy or sudden spasm of the heart terrible ziska as it was killing him at a second hand. For Ziska, stout and furious, blind of one eye, and at last of both, a kind of human rhinoceros driven mad, had risen out of the ashes of murdered huss and other bad papistic doings in the interim, and was tearing up the world at a huge rate. Rhinoceros Ziska was on the Weissenberg, or a still nearer hill of Prague since Ziskaberg, Ziska Hill, and none durst whisper of it to the king. A servant waiting at dinner, inadvertently let slip the word, Ziska there? Deny it, slave, cried Wenzel, frantic. Slave durst not deny. Wenzel drew his sword to run at him, but fell down dead. That was the last pot broken by Wenzel. The hapless royal ex-imperial phantasm, self-broken in this manner. Poor soul, he came to the kaisership too early was a thin, violent creature, sensible to the charms and horrors of created objects, and had terrible rhinoceros, ziskas, and unruly horned cattle to drive. He was one of the worst kaisers ever known, could have done opera singing much better, and a sad sight to Bohemia. Let us leave him there. He was never actual elector of Brandenburg, having given it up in time. Never did any ill to that poor country. The real first of brandenburg all this while was sigismund wenzel's next brother under tutelage of cousin yopst or otherwise a real and yet imaginary for he never himself governed but always had yopst of Marim and or some other in his place there sigismund was to have married a daughter of bergraf friedrich v and he was himself as was the young lady well inclined to this arrangement but the old people being dead and some offer of a king's daughter turning up for Sigismund, Sigismund broke off and took the king's daughter, king of Hungary's, not without regret, then and afterward, as is believed. At any rate, the Hungarian charmer proved a wife of small merit, and a Hungarian successor she had was a wife of light conduct even. Hungarian charmers and Hungarian affairs were much other than a comfort to Sigismund. As for the disappointed princess, Bergraf Friedrich's daughter, she said nothing that we hear, silently became a nun, an abbess, and through a long life looked out with her thoughts to herself upon the loud whirlwind of things, where Sigismund, oftenest an imponderous rag of conspicuous color, was riding and tossing. Her two brothers also, joint burgraves after their father's death seemed to have reconciled themselves without difficulty the elder of them was already sigismund's brother-in-law married to sigismund's and wenzel's sister by such predestination as we saw burgrof johann the third was the name of this one a stout fighter and manager for many years much liked and looked to by sigismund as indeed were both the brothers for that matter always together or in succession a kind of right hand to Sigismund. Frederick Friedrich, the younger Bergraf, and ultimately the survivor and inheritor, Johann having left no sons, is the famed Bergraf Friedrich VI, the last and notablest of all the Burgraves. a man of distinguished importance, extrinsic and intrinsic, chief or among the very chief of German public men in his time and memorable to posterity and to his history, on still other grounds. But let us not anticipate. Sigismund, if appanaged with Brandenburg alone, and wedded to his first love, not a king's daughter, might have done tolerably well there, better than Wenzel, with the empire and Bohemia, did. But delusive fortune threw her golden apple at Sigismund too, and he in the wide high world had to play strange pranks. His father-in-law died in Hungary, Sigismund's first wife his only child. Father-in-law bequeathed Hungary to Sigismund, who plunged into a strange sea thereby, got troubles without number, beatings not a few, and had even to take boat and sail for his life down to Constantinople at one time. In which sad adventure, Berggraf Johann escorted him, and as it were tore him out by the hair of the head, these troubles and adventures lasted many years in the course of which sigismund trying all manners of friends and expedients found in the burgraves of nuremberg johann and friedrich with their talents possessions and resources the main or almost only sure support he got no end of troubles to sigismund and to brandenburg through him from this sublime hungarian legacy like a remote fabulous golden fleece which you have to go and conquer first and which is worth little when conquered before ever setting out thirteen eighty seven sigismund saw too clearly that he would have cash to raise an operation he had never done with all his life afterward he pawned brandenburg to cousin yobst of marin got twenty thousand bohemian golden i guess a most slender sum if dryas would but interpret it This was the beginning of pawnings to Brandenburg, of which, when will the end be? Yopst thereby came into Brandenburg on his own right for the time, not as tutor or guardian which he had hitherto been, into Brandenburg, and there was no chance of repayment to get him out again. Yopst tried at first to do some governing, but finding all very anarchic, grew unhopeful, took to making matters easy for himself took in fact to turning a penny on his pawn ticket alienating crown domains winking hard at robber barons and the like and after a few years went home to moravia leaving brandenburg to shift for itself under a stadthalter vice-regent more like a hungry land steward whom nobody took the trouble of respecting robber castles flourished all else decayed no highway not unsafe many a turpin with sixteen quarters and styling himself edel hair, noble gentleman took to living from the saddle what are hamburg peddlers made for but to be robbed the towns suffered much any trade they might have had going to wreck in this manner not to speak of private feuds which abounded at libitum neighboring potentates archbishop of magdeburg and others struck in also at discretion as they had gradually got accustomed to do, and snapped away some convenient bit of territory, or, more legitimately, they came across to coerce, at their own hand, this or the other Adel hare of the Turpin sort, who there was no other way of getting at, when he carried matters quite too high. Droves of six hundred swine! I have seen, by reading in these old books, certain noble gentlemen of pull certain noble gentlemen of Putlitz, i think driving them openly captured by the stronger hand and have heard the short quarrelless squeak of the bristly creatures what is the use of being a pig at all if i am to be stolen in this way and surreptitiously made it to ham pigs do continue to be bred in brandenburg but it is under such discouragements agriculture trade well-being and well-doing of any kind is not encouragement they are meeting here probably few countries not even ireland have a worse outlook unless help come jaft came back in thirteen ninety eight after eight years absence but no help came with Jost. the new mark of brandenburg which was brother johann's portion had fallen home to sigismund brother johann having died but sigismund Far from redeeming old pawn tickets with the Newmark, pawned the Newmark too, the second pawnage of Brandenburg, pawned the Newmark to the Teutsch Ritters for 63,000 Hungarian golden, I think about 30,000 pounds, and gave no part of it to Yopst. had not nearly enough for himself and his Hungarian occasions seeing which and hearing such squeak of pigs surreptitiously driven with little but discordant sights and sounds everywhere yobst became disgusted with the matter and resolved to wash his hands of it at least to have his money out of it again having sold what of the domains he could to persons of quality at an uncommonly easy rate and so pocketed what ready cash there was among them he made over his pawn ticket or properly he himself re-pawned Brandenburg, to the Saxon potentate, a speculative moneyed man, Markgraf of Meissen, Wilhelm the Rich, so called, pawned it to Wilhelm the Rich, some not named, and went home to Moravia, there to wait events. This is the third Brandenburg pawning. Let us hope there may be a fourth and last. And so we now have reached that point in Brandenburg history when, if some help does not come, Brandenburg will not long be a country, but will either get dissipated in pieces or stuck to the edge of others where some government is, or else go waste again and fall to the bisons and wild bears. Who now is kerfurst of Brandenburg might be a question. I, unquestionably, Sigismund would answer, with astonishment. Soft, your Hungarian majesty, thinks Hopst. Still my cash is paid, may it not probably be another? This question has its interest. The electors, just now 1,400, are about deposing Wenzel, must choose some better Kaiser. If they wanted another scion of the House of Luxembourg, a mature old gentleman of sixty, full of plans, plausibilities, and pretensions, Hopst is their man. Jobst and Sigismund were of one mind as to Wenzel's going. At least Sigismund voted clearly so, and Jobst said nothing counter. But the Kerfursts did not think of Jobst for a successor. After some stumbling, they fixed upon Rupert Kerfalz, Elector Palatine Ruprecht von der Pfalz, as Kaiser. Rupert of the Pfalz proved a highly respectable Kaiser, lasted for ten years. 1400 to 10, with honour to himself and the Reich, a strong heart, strong head, but short of means. He chastised petty mutiny with vigour, could not bring down the Milanese Visconti who had perched themselves so high on money paid to Wenzel, could not heal the schism of the Church, double or triple Pope, Rome Avignon Affair, or waken the Reich to a sense of its old dignity and present loose condition. In the late loose times, as antiquaries remark, most members of the empire, petty princes even, and imperial towns, had been struggling to set up for themselves, and were now concerned chiefly to become sovereign in their own territories. As Schilter informs us, it was about this period that most of them attained such rather unblessed consummation. Rupert, of himself, not able to help it, with all his willingness. The people called him Rupert Clem, rupert smith's vice from his resolute ways which nickname giving him not in hatred but partly in satirical goodwill is itself a kind of history from historians of the reich he deserves honourable regretful mention he had for empress a sister of Burgraf friedrichs which high lady unknown to us otherwise except by her tomb at heidelberg we remember for her brother's sake Kaiser Rupert, great-grandson of that Kerfalz who was Kaiser Ludwig's elder brother, is the culminating point of the Elector's Palatine, the highest that Heidelberg produced. Ancestor of those famed Protestant Palatines, all of the Palatines or Faltzes that reign in these late centuries. Ancestor of the present Bavarian Majesty, Kaiser Ludwig's race having died out. Ancestor of the unfortunate Winter Konig, Friedrich, King of Bohemia, who is too well known in english history ancestor also of charles the seventh of sweden a highly creditable fact of the kind to him fact indisputable a cadet of waltz zweiburg du Ponce, direct from rupert went to serve in sweden in his soldier's business distinguished himself in soldiering had a sister of the great gustav adolf to wife and from her a renowned son Karl gustav christiana's cousin who succeeded as king who again had a grandson made in his own likeness only still more of iron in his composition enough now of rupert smith's vise who died in fourteen ten and left the reich again vacant rupert's funeral is hardly done when over in persian far off in the maimel region place called tannenberg where there is still a churchyard to be seen if little more the Teutschritters had unexpectedly a terrible defeat a consummation of their Polish miscellaneous quarrels of long-standing, and the end of their high courses in this world. A ruined Teutsch Ritterdam, as good as ruined ever henceforth, Kaiser Rupert died May 18th, and on July 15th, within two months, was fought that dreadful Battle of Tannenberg, Poland and Polish king, with miscellany of savage totters and revolted Prussians, versus Teutsch Ritterdam all in very high mood of mutual rage. The very elements, wild thunder, tempest, and rain deluges, playing chorus to them on their occasion. Ritterdom fought lion-like, but with insufficient strategic and other wisdom, and was driven nearly distracted to see its pride tripped into the ditch by such a set. Vacant Reich could not in the least attend to it, nor can we further at present. Jobstin Sigismund, were competitors for the kaisership. Wenzel, too, striking in with claims for reinstatement, the House of Luxembourg divided against itself. Wenzel, finding reinstatement not to be thought of, threw his weight, such as it was, into the scale of cousin Jovst. The contest was vehement, and liked to be lengthy. Jobst though, had made over his pawn ticket, claimed to be elector of Brandenburg, and voted for himself the like, with still more emphasis, did Sigismund, or Burgraf Friedrich acting for him. Sigismund sure is Kerr Brandenburg, foe under pawn, argued Friedrich, and I almost guess, though, that is not said, produced from his own purse, at some stage of the business, the actual money for Yopst, to close his Brandenburg pretension. Both were re-elected, majority contested in this manner, and old Yopst, then above seventy, Was like to have given much trouble but happily in three months he died and sigismund became indisputable in his day Jobst made such noise in the world but little or no good in it he was thought a great man says one satirical old chronicler and there was nothing great about him but the beard the cause of sigismund's success with the electors says kohler or of his having any party among them was the faithful and unwearied diligence which had been used for him by the above-named Berggraf Friedrich VI of Nuremberg, who took extreme pains to forward Sigismund to the empire, pleading that Sigismund and Wenzel would be sure to agree well henceforth, and that Sigismund, having already such extensive territories—Hungary, Brandenburg, and so forth, by inheritance— would not be so exact about the Reich tolls and other imperial incomes. This same Friedrich also, when the election fell out doubtful, was Sigismund's best support in Germany, nay, almost his right hand, though whom he did whatever was done. Sigismund is Kaiser, then, in spite of Wenzel. King of Hungary, after unheard of troubles and adventures, ending some years ago in a kind of peace and conquest, he has long been. King of Bohemia, too, he at last became, having survived Wenzel, who was childless, Kaiser of the Holy Roman Empire, and so much else? Is not Sigismund now a great man? Truly the loom he weaves upon in this world is very large, but the weaver was of headlong, high-pacing, flimsy nature, and both warp and woof were gone dreadfully entangled. This is the Kaiser Sigismund who held the Council of Constance, and blushed visibly when Huss, about to die, alluded to the letter of safe conduct granted him, Which was issuing in such fashion. Sigismund blushed, but could not conveniently mend the matter, so many matters pressing on him just now, as they perpetually did and had done. And always hoping, never resting, unsuccessful, vain and empty Kaiser, specious, speculative, given to eloquence, diplomacy, and the windy, instead of the solid arts, always short of money for one thing, he roamed about and talked eloquently aiming high, and generally missing. Hungary and even the Reich have at length become his, but have brought small triumph in any kind, and instead of ready money, debt on debt. His Majesty has no money, and His Majesty's occasions need it more and more. He is now, 1414, holding this council of Constance by way of healing the church, which is sick of three simultaneous popes, and of much else he finds the problem difficult finds he will have to run into spain to persuade a refractory pope there if eloquence can as it cannot all which requires money money at opening of the council he officiated as deacon actually did some kind of litanying with a surplice over him though kaiser and king of the romans but this passage of his opening speech is what i recollect best of him there Right, reverend fathers, date operum ut illa nefanda schisma eradicator," exclaims Sigismund, intent on having the Bohemian schism well dealt with, which he reckons to be of the feminine gender. To which a cardinal mildly remarking, "Domine, schisma est generis nutrius," schisma is new to your Majesty," Sigismund loftily replies, "ego sum rex Romanus et super grammaticam." I am king of the Romans and above grammar, for which reason I call him in my notebooks Sigismund Supergrammaticum, to distinguish him in the imbroglio of kaisers. How Jobst pawn-ticket was settled I never clearly heard, but can guess it was by Burgraf Friedrich's advancing the money, in the pinch above indicated, or paying it afterward to Jobst heirs, whoever they were. Thus much is certain. Bergraf Friedrich these three years and more, ever since July 8, 1411, holds Sigismund's deed of acknowledgement for one hundred thousand golden lent at various times, and has likewise got the electorate of Brandenburg in pledge for that sum, and does himself administer the said electorate till he be paid. This is the important news, But this is not all. The new journey into Spain requires new money. This council itself, with such a pomp as suited Sigismund, has cost him endless money. Brandenburg, torn to ruins in the way we saw, is a sorrowful matter, and except the title of it as a feathers in one's cap, is worth nothing to Sigismund, and he is still short of money and will forever be. Why could not he give up Brandenburg altogether since instead of paying, he is still making new loans from Berggraf Friedrich, and the hope of ever paying were mere lunacy. Sigismund revolves these sad thoughts, too, amid his worldwide diplomacies and efforts to heal the church. Pledged for one hundred thousand golden, sadly ruminates Sigismund, and fifty thousand more borrowed since, by little and little and ever more needed, especially for this grand Spanish journey. These were his sad thoughts. Advance me in around some two hundred and fifty thousand more, said he, to Berg Friedrich two hundred and fifty thousand more for my manifold occasions in this time that will be four hundred thousand in whole and take the electorate of brandenburg to yourself land titles sovereign electorship and all and make me rid of it that was the settlement adopted in sigismund's apartment at constance on april thirtieth fourteen fifteen signed sealed and ratified and the money paid a very notable event in world history virtually completed on the day we mention. The ceremony of investiture did not take place till two years afterward, when the Spanish journey had proved fruitless, when much else of fruitless had come and gone, and Kaiser and Council were probably more at leisure for such a thing. Done at length it was by Kaiser Sigismund in almost Gala, with the grandees of the Empire assisting, and August members of the Council and world in general looking on. In the big square, or market place of Constance, April seventeenth, fourteen seventeen, is to be found described in Ranch from noclerus and the old newsmongers of the times. Very grand indeed, much processioning on horseback, under powerful trumpet peals and flourishes, much stately kneeling, stately rising, stepping backward done well, Zierlich, on the Kurfürst's part, liberal expenditure of cloth and pomp, in short, above one hundred thousand people looking on from roofs and windows, and Kaiser Sigismund in all his glory. He was on a high platform in the marketplace, with stairs to it, the illustrious Kaiser, with scarlet mantle and crown of gold, a treat to the eyes of simple mankind. What sum of modern money and real purchasing power this four hundred thousand Hungarian gold golden is, I have inquired in the likely quarters without result and it is probable no man exactly knows. The last existing representative of the ancient gold golden is the Ducat, worth generally a half-sovereign in English. Taking the sum at that latest rate, it amounts to two hundred thousand pounds, and the reader can use that as a note of memory for the sale price of Brandenburg, with all its lands and honors, multiplying it perhaps by four or six to bring out its effective amount in current coin. Dog-cheap, it must be owned for size and capability but in the most waste condition full of mutiny injustice anarchy and highway robbery a purchase that might have proved dear enough to another man than Berggraf friedrich but so at any rate moribund brandenburg has got its hohenzollern first, and started on a new career it little dreamt of and we can now right willingly quit sigismund and the reich's history leave kaiser sigismund to sink or swim at his own will henceforth his grand feat in life the wonder of his generation with this same council of constance, which proved entirely a failure one of the largest wind-eggs ever dropped with noise and travail in this world two hundred thousand human creatures reckoned and reckoning themselves the elixir of the intelligent and dignity of europe two hundred thousand nay, some counting the lower menials and numerous unfortunate females, say four hundred thousand, were got congregated into that little Swiss town. And there, as an economical council, or solemnly distilled elixir of what pious intellect and valour could be scraped together in the world, they laboured with all their select might for four years' space. That was the Council of Constance." and except this transfer of Brandenburg to Friedrich of Hohenzollern, resulting from said council, in the quite reverse and involuntary way, one sees not what good result it had. They did indeed burn Huss, but that could not be called a beneficial incident. That seemed to Sigismund and the council a most small and insignificant one, and it kindled Bohemia, and kindled rhinoceros Ziska into never-imagined flame of vengeance brought mere disaster, disgrace, and defeat on defeat, to Sigismund, and kept his hands full for the rest of his life, however small he had thought it. As for the sublime four year's deliberations and debates of the Sanhedrin of the universe, eloquent debates conducted, we may say, under such extent of wig as was never seen before or since, they have fallen wholly to the domain of dry as dust, and amount, for mankind at this time, to zero plus the burning of Huss, on the whole, bergraf Friedrich's electorship and the first Hohenzollern to Brandenburg, is the one good result. bergraf Friedrich, on his first coming to Brandenburg, found but a cool reception as Stadtholder. He came as a representative of law and rule, and there had been many helping themselves by a ruleless life of late. Industry was at a low ebb violence was rife plunder disorder everywhere too much the habit for baronial gentlemen to live by the saddle as they termed it that is by highway robbery in modern phrase the towns harried and plundered to skin and bone were glad to see a stadtholder and did homage to him with all their heart but the baronage or squirearchy of the country were of another mind these in the late anarchies had set up for a king of kings in their own right they had their feuds, made war, made peace, levied tolls, transit dues, lived much at their own discretion in these solitary countries, rushing out from their stone towers, walls fourteen feet thick, to seize any herd of six hundred swine, and convoy of Lübeck or Hamburg merchant goods that had not contented them in passing. What were peddlers and mechanic fellows made for, if not to be plundered when needful? arbitrary rule on the part of these nobler robber lords and then much of the crown domains had gone to the chief of them pawned and the pawn ticket lost so to speak or sold for what trifle of ready money was to be had in Jobst and company's time to these gentlemen a Stadtholder coming to inquire into matters was no welcome phenomenon your elder herr noble lord or Putlitz, noble lords of quitzau rochal maltitz and others supreme in their grassy solitudes this long while and accustomed to nothing greater than themselves in brandenburg how should they obey a stadtholder such was more or less the universal humor in the squirearchy of brandenburg not of good omen to burggraf friedrich but the chief seat of contumacy had seemed to be among the Quitzau's pulitzes above spoken of big squires in the district they called prignitz in the country of the sluggish havel river northwest from berlin "'a forty or fifty miles. "'These refused homage, very many of them. "'Said they were incorporated with Berman, "'said this and that, much disinclined to homage, "'and would not do it. "'Stiff, surly fellows, "'much deficient in discernment of what is above them "'and what is not, a thick skin set, "'bodies clad in buff leather, "'minds also cased in ill habits of long continuance. "'Friedrich was very patient with them, hoped to prevail by gentle methods he invited them to dinner had them often at dinner for a year or more but could make no progress in that way who is this we have got for a governor said the noble lords privately to each other a nuremberger tand nuremberger plaything wooden image such as they make at nuremberg said they grinning in a thick-skinned way if it rained burgraves all year round none of them would come to luck in this country and continued their feuds, toll-levyings, plunderings, and other contumacies. Seeing matters come to this pass after above a year, Burgach Friedrich gathered his frankish at arms, quietly made league with the neighboring potentates, Thuringen and others, got some munitions, some artillery together, especially one huge gun, the biggest ever seen, a twenty-four-pounder no less, to which the peasants, dragging her with difficulty through the clayey roads, gave the name of Folle Greta, Lazy or Heavy Peg, a remarkable piece of ordinance. Lazy Peg he had got from the Landgraf of Thuringen on loan merely, but he turned her to excellent account of his own. I have often inquired after Lazy Peg's fate in subsequent times, but could never learn anything distinct. The German Dreisdass is a dull dog, and seldom carries anything human in those big wallets of his. Equipped in this way, Borgraf Friedrich, he was not yet Kurfurst, only coming to be, marches for the Havel country, early days of 1414, makes his appearance before Quitzow's strong house of Friesack, walls fourteen feet thick. You, Dietrich von Quitzow, are you prepared to live as a peaceable subject henceforth, to do homage to the laws and me? Never, answered Quitzow, and pulled up his drawbridge. Whereupon Heavy peg opened upon him heavy peg, and other guns, and in some eight-and-forty hours shook Quetzau's impregnable Frisak about his ears. This was in the month of February, 1414, day not given. Frisak was the name of the impregnable castle, still discoverable in our time, and it ought to be memorable and venerable to every Prussian man. burgraf Friedrich VI, not yet quite become Kurfürst Friedrich I, but in a year's space to become so, he, in person, was the beneficent operator. Heavy peg and steady human insight, those were clearly the chief implements. Quetzal being settled, for the country is in military occupation of Friedrich and his allies, and except in some stone castle a man has no chance, straightly Putlitz or other mutineer with his drawbridge up was battered to pieces, and his drawbridge brought slamming down. After this manner, in an incredibly short period mutiny was quenched and it became apparent to noble lords and to all men that here at length was a man come who would have the laws obeyed again and could and would keep mutiny down End of section 34.